This is Dear Analyst, episode number 20. And in this episode, I'm going to discuss my experience teaching a week-long intensive data analytics course through General Assembly. Uh, for those of you who don't know, General Assembly is started off as a an in-person kind of boot camp type of class, if you will. And they teach different, they have instructors that teach different courses uh, related to software engineering, design, product management, and data analytics. And most of the, their classes are taught in person in various different cities like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco. But more recently, they started teaching classes uh, all online, real in real time. And I participated in a real-time online class taught mostly through Zoom and Slack uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was going to talk to you about my experience. And this is my first time actually teaching an online class in real time. Most of my teaching of Excel and analytics is done through uh, MOOCs, these massive online ed education platforms. So I'm recording the audio and video, and then the website will help promote the class to their students and their network. Um, but teaching a class in real time definitely has its own challenges. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Just to get the high level overview over General Assembly, I've never taken any classes personally with General Assembly, but I've heard a lot of great things about them. And I just kind of got in touch with one of their instructor managers and realized that this is right in my I guess, expertise. And I think it's also really smart on General Assembly's part to offer uh, classes online because as you can imagine, there's a lot of people who can't attend their classes in person. And so they opt for these online classes because they can take the class in the comfort of their own home. And it also allows General Assembly to reach a wider audience of potential customers because now you are not limiting yourself to people that live in a specific city. So overall, it was a really great experience. And I also had a chance to talk more about my work and my company also, which is really cool. And also was able to use some of the documentation that we went through in class using um, Coda where I work. Uh, so I'm gonna start off by kind of reading off the, the syllabus for the data analytics class. And so just again, the context here is that this class is normally taught over 10 weeks. And that class, the regular class is 10 weeks. It's taught twice a week for two hours at a time, usually after work. So it's maybe like Tuesday and Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. And you're on this 10-week path to eventually create your own class project. With the class I taught, it was a week-long intensive course. So it was 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday, and then Saturday was like 10.30 to 4 or 5 p.m., and that was when we did all the uh, final presentations from all the students. So it's it was a full, pretty much a full-time, uh, you know, all-hands-on-deck kind of learning uh, experience. So it was definitely very intensive and a lot of material to cover, uh, but it was also very informative, and I also personally learned a lot about teaching and also about data analytics in general. So on to the syllabus. So you can find this online on General Assembly's website. And I'm going to read just kind of the overview really quick and then also walk into some of the units that are discussed during the class. 
Uh, this course will teach you how to use large data sets to make critical decisions confidently. This course was created for analysts, digital marketers, sales managers, product managers, and data newbies looking to learn the essentials of data analysis. You'll use industry tools, Excel, SQL, and Tableau to analyze large real-world data sets. Additionally, you will be able to create data dashboards and various data visualizations to communicate insights. This course will culminate in a presentation of your data analysis and insights to your classmates and instructional team. By the end of the course, you'll be able to use Excel, SQL, and Tableau to collect, clean, and analyze large data sets, present data-driven insights to key stakeholders using data visualization and dashboards, and tell compelling stories with your data. So the three main tools or platforms we cover in the class is our Excel, SQL, and Tableau. And the first day was all just Excel. Uh, I personally thought we could have done more days learning Excel because that's probably what people are going to be using more so in the workplace than SQL. Uh, SQL actually ended up taking two days, and Tableau took another two days. Um, so if we look, if I look into the Excel portion of the class, a lot of this stuff was very beginner. So you're talking about how to write formulas, how to use functions, referencing cells. Um, but the part I really did enjoy when I think we could have spent more time on is just a section on cleaning data. Um, in the data science field, a lot of what you're just doing is just making sure the data is clean and it's actionable and it's um, ready to use. So we walk through a lot of text manipulation functions in Excel, like left, mid, right, uh, even find, I think, just to help clean data sets where you potentially want to find trailing spaces or you want to find, uh, you want to properly format cells so that they're, not, they're numbers instead of, or they're general format instead of text. And so there's a lot of just kind of basic cleaning data up and the way we actually approach this, the way that they approach this in the class is a little bit, I thought it was a little bit slow because one of the ways that you can, de one of the ways that you were able to detect if there was a, uh, an anomaly with your data set is by creating a filter on your first row of data in Excel. And then you would individually go to every single column, click on the dropdown and see if the values kind of made sense in the context of your data set. If you happen to see any values that were outliers or look weird, that's when you know you had to maybe delete the data or delete that row of data or edit that cell that contained the awkward symbol. So for instance, if you have a column full of um, ages, if you see an age that's like 500, then you know that that row of data is probably bad and the person that entered in that row of data maybe made a mistake. Additionally, if you saw something like a dash, which we saw in class in the example data set we saw, we used, that dash would also mess up the final results of the analysis because that dash would not be rendered correctly on a chart and it may make the averages wrong and the counts wrong. And so we would go through all these little, all the columns and look for all these little inconsistencies in the data and then delete them, uh, alter them, edit them. And part of the exercise was figuring out what you can do with these outlier or bad values. Do you delete them? Do you rename them? Do you just um, cl uh, clear the cell? 
there are different policies that we you can use to clean things up. Another, I guess, another skill we learned we taught was if you find, let's say, a dash in a column, chances are that the rest of the data might have a might have a dash as well. So you actually do an advanced search in Excel for that dash, and then replace that dash with an with a blank string or an empty space. And that was also a way that you could clean the data up. Now, I actually don't think Excel is the best tool for cleaning data these days after discovering OpenRefine. OpenRefine is so much easier and so much more performant and just simply a lot easier to clean data up because of the fact that you can write custom functions to transpose or convert a, a let's say, date into the proper date format that you want. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that General Assembly focused on cleaning data in Excel because unfortunately, that's what you're gonna be doing a lot of when you're an analyst is just making sure that data is clean. We talked a little bit about creating charts and bar graphs, but that was one wasn't really the focus um, for me when I was teaching the class. So um, that was kind of the the main part of um, that unit. Um, if I look into the next section, uh, we also also did maybe like half a day about data narratives. So how do you tell a story with the data? Um, so that was kind of like an interesting overview. Um, wasn't really learning the tools specifically. It was more about how you can tell a story with data using visualizations, creating using a structure that makes sense. Uh, it was a lot more, a little more, I would say kind of fluffy stuff, but nonetheless still very important for uh, for the, the students to know. Um, I actually never utilized any of those techniques that we discussed in class um, because I just, you know, if I wanted to create a PowerPoint deck about my analysis, I would typically just use another one of my colleagues, one of my existing colleagues' decks to tell a story. And that's, that works well because you have a template you can use and you don't have to worry about like starting from scratch. Um, then we kind of moved on. The rest of the Excel stuff was just working on other functions you can use in Excel. So things like min, max, sum, average, count, countif, count a, countifs, count blanks. Um, and then some stuff on pivot tables, which is always a class favorite. So that was the main stuff in Excel. Again, for me, relatively, I think it was relatively simple stuff. Um, the most important module was definitely the cleaning Excel, cleaning data and Excel stuff. Um, so I'm really glad that we were able to discuss that in depth. The most difficult part for most of the students was the SQL. And for me, I'm not a SQL expert, but I know enough to do basic queries. And it was a good review just for me to learn about all the different functions and different join types in SQL and different, um, I guess, different using different logic. So how you can handle, how you can assign values using the case statement. Uh, what was interesting with this was we had a real good data set to work with. It was, uh, what I really liked about GA was that they were, were able to create this data set that anyone could log into. Um, we use a tool called PG Admin to access the database. And so it was really easy for, and also that database was hosted on AWS in the cloud. 
So you didn't really have to download any software. You could just log in to the AWS instance with, your creden with the credentials that everyone could use. And everyone had basically read-only access to the database. And they could query, we could all um, concurrently query the database to pull the data that we needed. Uh, so that was really useful just to have like a good data set. I think that that solid data set was the number one thing that I think made that unit really compelling for the students because they could um, they could just query at any time and they could also practice on their own if they didn't have, they couldn't follow along in, in class. I think the most difficult part, the most difficult concepts to discuss are definitely the joins. Um, inner joins seem to make sense, but then when you talk about right and left, exception, cross joins, it's one thing to see it on a slide, but it's another thing to actually understand how it works on, in the backend database. Um, there's also a lot of time spent on discussing how to, how to handle uh, null values or the null state, I guess you could say. I guess this is similar to the cleaning data in Excel part, but nulls sometimes, nulls are obviously different from zeros. And there were all different kinds of functions that we discussed, which I thought kind of went a little bit too in depth. For instance, we're talking about using if nulls and coalesce to help you figure out how to tr work with null values. Um, so I think there's a lot of time spent on nulls, but I think it wasn't clear how that concept translates to cleaning data. Whereas I think in Excel, you're able to use these functions like left, mid, right to easily clean data. Whereas the SQL stuff was a little, I think a little more, um, not as like actionable. Although I would argue that cleaning the data in, Excel, in SQL first is so much better than having to do it in Excel because then you can just quickly export the CSV and you have like a really clean data set that you can start working with in Excel. One section we didn't cover, didn't get to cover in class, but I really liked learning about was just subqueries. <clears throat> Being able to nest queries within different parts of the select statement, I didn't realize how you could um, nest queries in all parts of the query itself. And so you can do these kind of like multiple aggregations um, in the query. So that was kind of neat just to see that laid out just for a, from a learning purpose. Uh, the next, the final two days were just using Tableau. I haven't used Tableau probably since 2012 or 2013. And so I was kind of learning about Tableau myself when I was reviewing the content. And I'm not gonna lie, I think Tableau has definitely improved a lot since um, when I first used it. And I'm actually gonna discuss this in one of the episodes um, later on in the, this podcast about what I really liked about how you can connect the data source from in Tableau to the actual visualization and the ability to actually change the visualization um, using these uh, action filters in Tableau, that to me was super powerful and it's something you can't really do in Excel unless you have, I think, the like advanced Office 365 subscription of Excel. Um, so there were some really interesting things there uh, in that in that section, and that that was actually the most enjoyable part for most students because um, they just like to visualize their data and see these really cool graphs and charts, and also be able to create something I didn't realize you could create, and this might have been a new ver new feature in Tableau, 
is being able to create dashboards and story points. Story points are story points are pretty much kind of like PowerPoint slides in Tableau. And so each story point is a caption that's tied to a dashboard. And so you can highlight parts of the dashboard to drive home a point about what you're trying to say in that narrative. And so that was a really unique aspect of Tableau that I didn't think you could use, but it's still kind of clunky compared to PowerPoint. I would still probably copy and paste the analysis from Tableau into, into PowerPoint. But I think the bigger sentiment that I got from teaching this part of the class was I can now finally understand and see how my data, which is organized in columns and rows, how that translates into, into a visualization in Tableau. And you can also do joins in, in Tableau. So you can actually join different CSVs together using, using a common key. Uh, so that's kind of neat to see as well um, for, for the Tableau section. Uh, finally, the day ended on Saturday, which was a final kind of presentation day where we had all the students present their projects. And it either involved taking the data set that comes with Tableau and doing your own analysis on that, or some students would actually take a data set that they were passionate about and then present their analysis on that data set. Uh, so some people, I think half the class chose their own data sets, the other half chose the built-in data set that comes with Tableau. Um, but it was really interesting to see people really take the skills they learned in five days and just apply them to a final project. And I think ending with Tableau was definitely the right call, at least from the content perspective because you could see you could actually see the charts and analysis that went into the whole presentation um, and it's just kind of a more visual way to end the class versus just looking at an excel file that's cleaned up with data or written with a bunch of formulas while it could be interesting um, seeing a clean data set and seeing how you got there is really not as engaging as visualizations in tableau um, so yeah, that was kind of the whole class. Um, very, very intensive. Again, I think during the, the SQL section, that was when people really started um, struggling because most of the students weren't familiar with SQL. Uh, and I think from a teaching standpoint, I've never taught SQL. I've never taught SQL online for that matter. And I think being able to show, I mean, it was almost kind of like doing like live programming in a way because the whole class, the whole portion of that class was basically me in the SQL editor and PG admin, experimenting with queries, committing them, running them, and then seeing the results. And it required a lot of, I think during the Excel, well, I guess during all three units, but specifically during the SQL section, it required a lot of thinking on my feet because students would basically ask a question, well, what if I wanted to limit the results of this? Or what if I only wanted to return this part of the text? of a value, this part of a, of a column. And I basically had to think of my feet and think of the right query to write in order to aggregate the data so that you could, we could see things in real time. Um, so I, th I think that's where my previous knowledge of writing SQL queries kind of came into play. Um, so now I'm gonna go into some other episodes in the recent few weeks that I listened to that I think you will enjoy. Uh, so one quick episode from one of my favorites is Software Engineering Daily. Software Engineering Daily. There's an episode called uh, Talking Python with Michael Kennedy. 
Uh, Michael Kennedy has a podcast about Python. And near the end of the interview, this was kind of like not related to the most of the, the podcast, but around minute 50, um, Michael started talking about how he thought college, the, co- the college experience and the classes he took did not really prepare him well for his career. And he thought that the, the, there was, he thought that university is tied too much. He thought that universities are placing too much of an emphasis on the relationship between college and career prep. Whereas in other countries, career prep is actually doing an apprenticeship and being on the job. And I think that's so much more, and I, I really, I really think that should be the way that we prepare for our careers is, is by just getting experience on the job during the semester versus learning about all these different topics that you're probably never going to learn, they're never going to use on the job. Um, I will talk about another podcast. I talk about a pod. I think this is a podcast from Freakonomics or Planet Money, which I'll talk about in a future episode. But th- basically, they're doing some um, a survey about what people use at work, and if anything they learned during school applies at work. And people said, "Yeah, I learned calculus at work, and none of it applies at work." Or I learned calculus in school, but none of it applies at work because I'm using Excel and spreadsheets all day. And I think if students at university had the experience of working in an office environment and they see how much work is done in spreadsheets, in Google Docs, in, I don't know, concur for logging expenses, they would realize that, huh, maybe taking intro to Western philosophy is not the best for my, my career if I really want to be ready for a specific job. And so... Yeah, how can we get more students at university to participate in apprenticeships? I don't know. Maybe it has to be some kind of partnership between startups and companies with universities, which I think is obviously happening. But for the most part, I think students are just treating the apprenticeship part of the college career as their summer internship or an internship during the semester. Um, If you're doing it during the semester, usually it's in addition to a full-time uh, course load, which is really hard to balance. Um, so what's left is people are just spending their summers doing an internship, which they hope will be applic- applicable to their job in the future once they graduate. But I think what Michael uh, made me think about was, well, what if we could have a structured apprenticeship like other countries where if you are trying to get into psychology and you're taking intro to psychology, you're taking you know, user behavior or something. And you also get a chance, a structured semester long apprenticeship working at a hospital or working at a physician's office or working at a clinic where you can see how, um, you know, that, that, that area of study could lead to a career and what the day-to-day job is like. Um, Cause not, you're probably not talking about, you know, Freud and all these different things on a day-to-day basis. You're talk. You're probably working with people and their emotions and um, trying to understand what uh, what drives them to do things. So, yeah, this is a really great episode. Not really about software engineering at all to a certain extent, but I really like this part of the episode when they start taking, talking about um, what you t- learn during college and how it applies to your career. Uh, the next episode I want to discuss is also one of my favorites. 
mentioned them a few times um, on my podcast is the Data Engineering Podcast. This one is episode 98, uh, Navigating Boundless Data Streams with the Swim Kernel. And this one was with Simon Crosby, who is the CTO of Swim Incorporated. And again, also near the very, very end of the episode, around minute 56, uh, they started talking about what are the biggest disconnects, what are the biggest gaps in terms of data management tools. And it was somewhat unrelated to what their conversation was about during most of the podcast, but near the end, when they started talking about the gaps, he was saying, um, Simon was saying, no, excuse me, <laughs> Simon was saying how he thought that there's still a gap between how the user, the end user of the data, which is usually the visualization or the charts or what have you, there's still a gap between that and where the data source is coming from. And so if the end user knew that the data behind the charts was formatted a certain way or came from a certain device or had to go through all these transformations, there'd be more, uh, there could be more interesting visualizations built and perhaps uh, better uses of the data that the end user does the end user doesn't even think about and yes there are gaps yes there are people that um, just want to have the charts and don't understand how to pull the data how to use sql how to transform data and i think that's okay um, for me actually working in tableau allowed me to see and and I'm sure others believe the same, at least for the people I taught in the class, you could see how the charts in Tableau, the visualizations could be, uh, you could see the whole life cycle of the charts from the data being in a CSV to porting it into Tableau, joining it with other data, and then seeing how you can pull columns, calculated fields, measures, dimensions into your visualization. And to me, that's kind of the end-to-end -end tool to show where the data is coming from, how you can clean it up using functions in Tableau, calculated fields, and then also obviously building the visualization. And again, if you want to introduce ways to change the data, you could use action filters to highlight data. You could also use parameters in Tableau to um, test different scenarios. So if there's a 1% or 5% increase in X, how does that impact the data and the chart itself? So I think there are tools out there, Tableau being one of them, but I agree there's still not only a gap in terms of the tools, but also a gap in the understanding of the data itself. And I think tools like Tableau help with bridging the gap of number one, getting the work done, but also number two, giving end users the ability to understand how the data structure and how clean data affects their visualizations. All right, so the final podcast I want to talk about, I think it's a new one I haven't mentioned yet. It's called Hansel Minutes, Fresh Talk and Tech for Developers, another kind of more technical podcast. And this episode was about, was called On Being Productive with Cantilever's Tai Fujimura. And in the beginning, around minute 3.30 or so, um, they started talking about how to do the GTD system and how you have an inbox that you have to kind of triage, whether it's your email inbox or your actual physical mailbox. And the one point that uh, that they brought up was 
you need to recognize that you have multiple inboxes. So when you think of inbox, you just think of your email. But when I think of inbox and when they think about inboxes, you have an inbox for email. For for me at work, we use intercom. So I have an intercom inbox of customer support messages I have to respond to. I have an inbox of calendar invites I have to respond to, an inbox of Slack messages. So even though it's not a traditional inbox in the sense of a email client, you still have all these different messages, notifications, pings, uh, Google slide comments, Google doc comments that you have to respond to. And those are all considered for me like an inbox that you have to parse through, prioritize, triage, and then eventually figure out how you want to take a next action to put it into the the words of Getting Things Done, GTD by David Allen. Uh, <clears throat> so there are tools, I think in this episode or another episode, they talked about, I think it was a different episode from this one, but they talked about there was a startup that's basically unifying all different inboxes, which I find really interesting, but I think it's really hard to unify you know, the different mediums in which you receive messages because the way you respond can be different in Gmail versus Slack versus Google Calendar. Um, Slack actually kind of approaches it in an interesting way because when you when you post a Google Doc in Slack, the unfurl kind of gives you some indication as to how you should respond to it. So for instance, if you get a comment in Google Doc and a Google Doc, that Google that comment could show up in Slack and you can actually respond to that comment in Slack. So Slack kind of becomes the unifier of all your inboxes. But I still don't don't treat Slack that way. I'm still using that just to, as a real-time chat with my team. Uh, but very interesting regardless. Now that I think about how I have so many inboxes, um, I, I think I try to keep Gmail as my main inbox for everything. But again, it all depends on the application and the context. You can't reply to Slack messages in Gmail. That'd be kind of cool, I guess. Um, but nonetheless, interesting episode about productivity something that I'm always interested in and hopefully um, you guys can take, give them a listen. Okay. That ends the, this today's episode. I know it was a, uh, wasn't really about Excel per se, but it was more about um, teaching data analytics, which I think, which is still very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'll actually be speaking at a conference next week uh, in San Francisco. It's all about uh, the no code movement. So that should be a really fun talk. And I'll probably, I think they're recording the talks. So maybe I'll post that talk um, on my podcast, uh, but we'll see how that, how that goes. And I'm sure I'll uh, come up with some, come up with another episode just to talk about my experience speaking, because I haven't really spoke at any conferences recently. And this was, my, this is one of the first ones that um, I had the opportunity and privilege to speak at. Um, so we'll be pre- we'll be uh, in preparation mode for that for the next uh, couple of days. Um, but other than that, uh, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.